0: what's going on listeners welcome back to matt goes to the movies and if you're listening today is mondays with maximoff that means a couple of things one i am joined by rob and i am joined by harrison of the basement binge and we are starting to get close to the end here uh episode eight so I'm super excited about this episode I know Rob and Harrison have uh, a lot of views on this so uh, Rob welcome Uh, getting pretty close huh?
1: yeah um you know it's it's funny like um my kids will count down the days before christmas and the number of sleeps it is until christmas day and i kind of feel like i'm at the point with the season finale of this you know i'm, I'm literally counting down the days until we're able to uh see w- this whole thing wrap up and Um, You know, we've been talking about it a lot throughout this season that this was a show that kind of slipped under the radar with the Disney Plus announcements of all the things we were expecting. I think everybody was very excited about the Loki project and uh, certainly um, Captain, uh, you know, the the Captain America sort of sequel of of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, We were all very excited about it. Then there was this quirky show that they announced WandaVision and and we didn't really know what to expect. And I think, uh, Matt, you and I kind of shared the same viewpoint that when they hit us with all of the trailers we got on the disney investor day and we saw some glimpses of what the show was going to be i think we got really excited about what this could become and just the the trippy mind-blowing nature and and just the fact that the the rules could be anything you know they they really took a gamble with this show and it has paid off immensely i mean i'm I think this is right now in pop culture, this is the most talked about show on television um, by far. I'm not sure there's anything that even comes close right now. Yeah. um, Yeah. It it definitely, to me, I said last
0: episode that it reminded me of the chance they took with iron man, that this was, you know, a a risk to start the next content that we got since it had been so long with this show. Um, But it certainly paid off, but uh Again, listeners, the other host of this episode, Harrison from the Basement Binge, welcome back, man! Super excited, and again, same thing to you, man. We're getting, we're getting close. It's almost bittersweet because it means this this portion of Matt goes to the movies uh, is coming to a close.
2: Yeah, it, it's crazy. First of all, thank you for that very nice introduction. But uh, earlier, I don't remember what day it was. It was after this episode aired, and obviously before we recorded. I was thinking about Monday coming up and how we were going to record. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe we're talking about the season finale. Like, my brain just kind of got mixed up in time. And I was, like, really sad. Like, oh, man, this is the last time we're going to record an episode for WandaVision. Even though the season finale hadn't even <laughs> happened. <laughs> I think I was so excited <laughs> for it. But, yeah, like, I, I uh, this has been super fun. I was telling the two of them for the listeners uh, right before we we jumped on here that it's just been a weird day for me. I've been really lethargic and moving at the speed of a snail and just kind of, like, Not energetic or excited like my normal self, but as soon as I jumped on the call, Matt and Rob were talking about whatever they were, and I just was immediately in a better mood. So it's exciting to be here and talk about it, but also to do it with two people I've developed a great friendship with. So thanks for letting me be here, and I'm also just so excited to talk about this episode. Holy smokes, I have so much to say.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot, so I, I think really, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but listeners of the show, uh, what we're going to do now is the spoiler-free portion, what we're calling the two-minute warning, if you've been listening to these episodes, uh, it's going to be spoiler-free thoughts before we get into the real details, so uh, I'm going to start off here with my thoughts of this episode. Uh, this is an episode that it took me twice to really get into it because I thought we took a couple too many steps back without going forward. Uh, but on a rewatch and really getting to the heart of this episode and uh, the themes that I thought were in the background of what we were being shown, uh, I came to really, really like this episode. Um It's a very slow crawl, so to speak, but there's a lot of emotion involved in this episode, and I really think it set the stage well for the season finale of what really... I mean, we kind of knew before, but I felt this episode put into perspective what this really means for Wanda, why Westview is so important to her, and there's been times when I felt like Wanda is... The villain and she's still doing something terrible but this episode turned it for me a little bit more towards the she's so broken um and i really like that not that she's broken but just the emotion that they portrayed and how important westview is to her so uh that's my portion of the spoiler free parts of this um harrison why don't you uh You get into your thoughts, and we'll have Rob jump in uh, before we get into the spoiler portions. We'll let him go last with his spoiler-free section.
2: Okay. Yeah. I have – so on Letterboxd, I always review, you know, write a little snippet about what I think about each episode, and I've waited to give it like a – give a star rating out of five till the series is over. I was going to rate the series as a whole instead of individual episodes. After this episode, I confidently put it at five stars, and I just knew – after this episode and everything that it did, that without a doubt, it was a five-star series for me, no matter what the season finale is. it This episode, I know we've all said this so many times before, I don't think that even the season finale will be able to beat this episode for me as far as a favorite goes with some of the things that you talked about, Matt, with how broken Wanda is and the way it changes her as a villain. And also, I remember on a previous episode, I think it was like, episode four or five saying that like, this is the most emotional one. The one where she tried to roll the credits on Vision. I remember Mm -hmm. talking about how like, this is the most emotional episode we've got. And this just swamps any emotion that that episode had. It really, I don't really uh, cry in TV shows. They don't like, I can uh, like recognize the emotion, but I've never felt such empathy for a character. And there were multiple scenes that I was sitting there by myself on my lunch break on a Friday, just crying for poor Wanda. I was so moved by it, uh, which I was not expecting this season to do. Uh, b- aside from that, this was just packed with so many... At the beginning of these, these uh, WandaVision episodes we've been doing with your podcast, Matt, it was so exciting to talk about what does this mean for the rest of the season? What does it mean for the rest of the MCU? And like kind of theorizing and, and coming up with, well, with ideas. And the way that this episode... Wraps up so many ideas, fulfills wishes, and also creates an opportunity to have that same excitement of trying to figure out what's coming next, mixed in with the emotion. Um, it just was everything I I came to want from this season. So I, that was a little bit long, but let me just say, I had no idea what to expect when going into this season, or this show at all. I had no idea what WandaVision was going to be, but I quickly realized it was going to be good, and that I was going to love it. And this episode is exactly what I have come to want from WandaVision. And it's something that I didn't even know I wanted, which is just props to the show as a whole and also to this individual episode.
0: Good stuff. I think, uh, Rob, uh, I think we're all kind of excited to get into the spoiler portion. So why don't you take us home uh, with your spoiler free uh, thought and then, uh, yeah, we'll get into it.
1: So, you know, I kind of feel uh, uh, some similar things to what you guys have talked about. You know, I think this show has given us things that we didn't even know we wanted to ask for, and they gave it to us in ways that we never would have been able to comprehend. That, that this has given us things we never even knew we wanted. Um, and it's been such a blast week in and week out. Um, I think what's really become obvious to me throughout um, this whole whole series, and and I would even say what Disney plus has given us with the Mandalorian is they've been able to do things on television that they've never been able to really do on film. So you think about the nine films of the Skywalker saga, was there really anything as emotional as when Din takes his helmet off to say goodbye to Grogu? Uh, maybe depending on how you feel about Vader's body being burned at the end of Return of the Jedi, like maybe you kind of feel something about that. Not for me, though, like that was that was way more of an emotional hit um, that that part of the Mandalorian. And, and I would say with the exception of um, different parts of Endgame, there's really not a lot in the mcu as a whole through those 23 films that hits me with the emotion of what we've seen uh in wandavision it's because they have time to tell this story they're not trying to fit everything they're trying to tell about a story and about these people in two hours two and a half hours or in the case of endgame three hours they have several weeks to draw this out they have weeks to build our excitement from from one show to the next i i had the opportunity to talk to a, a fan of, of uh, the Matt Goes to the Movie show, and uh, he hadn't actually started WandaVision yet, but then he binged the whole thing in kind of one sitting, I think he was maybe one or two episodes behind at this point. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's definitely not the way to do this. Like, you have to have <laughs> sat and waited week after week the way we did. Like, that's the only way you can truly appreciate what you're getting and building the mystery and the excitement. And then he told me, um, that he was waiting to listen to the podcast till after he had completed all of all of those shows. Then he was going to go back and listen to all of our recaps. And and I was thinking, oh God, no, please don't do that, please, if You've seen all the shows, and then you go back and you listen to all the dumb crap I thought <laughs> was going to happen. I'm going to look like the biggest idiot ever. Like I don't think I've been right about anything like i've been so wrong and i would i honestly what i would really love for the listeners of this show to do is interact with with matt's social media pages and and send him an email tell him what your favorite thing is that i've been 100 percent wrong about on this series like it's you've got a lot to choose from you really do and um and that's fine like You know, you think about shows like this, you know, I I never watched Lost, but I know a lot of people got into trying to figure out what was going on with it. You know, there's week after week, you're just trying to guess what's going on. And um, to be this wrong week after week and still very happy about how wrong you were, like normally this kind of thing, you only feel validated. Like the whole point of Jeopardy is, is not for the contestants to win. The point of Jeopardy is for you at home to feel really smart about getting the answers right. And that's kind of like what a mystery show normally is. Like if you can figure out who the killer is before the people on screen do. um, And, and yet as wrong as I've been, uh, I, I can't wait to find out how, how much wrong I still have yet to be uh, going into the final, final episode.
0: Yeah, it, it's certainly been exciting. And we've talked about that throughout the episodes, Uh, not so much in these later ones, but in those beginning ones when we were really starting to try and, you know, put theories together. Um, we all three of us separately kind of use the line of this could hundred percent mean something, or it could mean nothing. And this could lead to this, or I could be totally wrong. Um, but it's been really fun being wrong or seeing like, Oh, okay. This is slightly what I thought, but there's this twist on it. Uh, this show has just been, it's been so much fun, but uh, I, I want to get into these these spoiler talks here, so listeners, if you have not seen this episode and you're not doing what Rob just described uh, and you don't want to be <laughs> spoiled, um, this is where you pause it, watch the episode, and come back to us because we are going into the spoiler-free portion. And Guys, I'm going to get this out of the way because it's a very rare speed bump in this episode for me. But it starts right at the beginning, and it's the opening. Um, we open back in... Ah, oh, geez. Sorry. Rob, give me the year again. I'm blanking on it. I believe it was 1637. There we go. Uh, wow. In Salem. And this is where we are first introduced in the episode to Agatha and her being a witch. And I thought it was a little over the top, and I I laughed out loud when they had to remove their hoods when they're talking to her. Um, I hate those moments. Um, Whenever people have to remove their hoods to say something that's super dramatic, I think I'm going to start doing that at my job when somebody (laughs) asks me for a discount um, (laughs) and just make a joke out of it and be like, there is no discount. Um, But the opening didn't really work for me just because I felt it was a little over the top and it was a little cringy with that moment, but it certainly was interesting to see how she kind of is alone, so to speak. Um, And presumably what we know is she thought she was the only one left. Um, So Rob, I'll let you kick it
1: off. What's your thoughts on the opening of this episode? Well, I wanna go back even one piece further than you did to start it off. I love the fact that for the Marvel title screen, they went from red and then morphed it into the purple. Um, oh, to really, awesome. uh, yeah. yeah. That was such a cool moment to let you know like, okay, we're going to pick up where we left off from the last episode, introducing the, the spin off series, you know, Agatha. It was Agatha All Along, um, which I just love the theme music they use for it. But yeah, right away, we get this scene where you think initially she's being um, burned at the stake for being a witch, and then you realize, oh no, it's these other witches there were parts of this that really didn't work for me initially. And and on a rewatch, they kind of seem a little more obvious. Just there's, there's actually a lot in this episode that I think was overdone. There's, there's some overacting. I think at times there's some just, you know, uh, unnecessary over the topness that, um, you know, that we see from Agatha and, and Catherine Hahn, who I've loved throughout this season, uh, this was kind of a low point for me for her in, in the, in this series. It just, some things w- when she had to go full on villain mode, um, it, some of it just, it just limped in a little bit for me. It, it didn't, it didn't land the same way it did when she was, you know, pretending to be so frightened uh, about the flubbed line or, or being at the edge of town when vision kind of catches up to her, uh, or certainly what we saw for her in, in the last episode. Um, you know, it it just—I don't know—it's it, not something that—it's it wasn't a great scene overall, um, and and I would probably fast forward through it if I was ever to watch it a third time. All right,
0: Harrison, where do where do you stand on the opening? Uh, it's really interesting. I
2: remember watching the opening and just like my jaw was on the ground, <laughs> like what is going on? I was—I uh, think I was just like so caught up in like. Uh, what's the word I'm searching for? The, what it meant for the character of Agnes or Agatha Harkness that I wasn't too focused on their performances. I will say that I uh, thought it was a little over the top, but I love that they just kind of let Catherine Hahn like turn it up to 11 and just, I just enjoyed her f- for being as wacky as she is. Uh, but it was kind of weird. Um, but I, just to talk about it, I thought it was a great characterization for uh, Agatha as a villain someone who uh, will go to no ends to get her way uh, she's incredibly powerful she's incredibly intelligent and conniving and just really evil and the, the way that it adds to her threat she feels much more threatening after that scene you know I always thought she, she was like oh yeah she's an, she's an evil witch you know I, was, I had the theory that she was Agatha Harkness the entire season And so I believe she was an evil witch, but to like have that scene where she, to me was like this dramatically evil was kind of like a cartoony type fun, but also is like a, Oh, this lady's like nuts. Like she's crazy and crazy evil is the worst kind. So I'm, I'm excited for that, that characterization to continue.
0: Alright, um, so one thing about this episode is, I mean, a lot of them are, but this episode is a lot of exposition, so to speak. Um, really, you see, we go back, uh, it's one of the things I said in the the beginning, is we go back a lot to find out where we're going in the future, so to speak. Um, and that starts with Agatha Letting, you know, one, telling Wanda that she's a witch. She can't use her magic uh, in the basement. And how did she do it? Um, We're going to need to take a trip down memory lane. And she says a line, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Time to watch some real reruns um, within the theme of the show. I thought that was really good. Um, But it also seemed to really quickly start to... Retcon what we thought we knew about Wanda in a lot of ways, especially her powers. Um, so I'm curious that first scene, uh, Harrison, I'll go to you first, where they start to talk about Wanda's powers, and we find out why she has a fascination with sitcoms. Um, and we also get a quick flashback, it's not quick, but We get the scene of Tony Stark's bomb landing in their home where they thought that it was going to kill them. And there's a spin on that scene because all this time, Wanda just thought it didn't go off. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So, Harrison, where are you on the lines of how they explained Wanda and really... It seems like some of that is maybe paving the way for the X-Men to come in. I I certainly felt that there was room there to say, well, these genes have been in people, and when they're exposed to trauma or she was exposed to an Infinity Stone that's jumping a little bit ahead, um, I thought they really opened up a pathway to start being able to introduce why maybe if they're not going to pull them from other realities – you could start to see the X-Men in this universe where they haven't been visible up until now.
2: Uh, Yeah, I actually really, really liked it. I'll first say that like, when that scene started to play, I loved the the callback to um, the the sitcoms because I had a a running theory. I don't remember if I said it or not on this show, uh, that the reason that Wanda had created a sitcom reality for herself is that she probably grew up watching them. And that was her view of the West. And that's why it was called Westview. It was her perfect idea of what the West was like that she had viewed through her, her childhood, childhood viewing of sitcoms. So to see that play out uh, and like the emotional connection to her parents and, and the talking English and all the things that it means for the character of Wanda, I immediately just began to feel so sad for her. And and immediately began to understand how broken she was, and then the bomb goes off while they're watching the sitcom, and I, this is abnormal for me. This is uncharacteristic of me. Traditionally, I just broke out into tears. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's horrendous," the way that her parents died, and and to like show that in like such shock, uh, really got to me. Uh, So I was affected emotionally by it. But then I immediately began to think like, "There's no way that." she could have survived. So like, I just like, I had the immediate impact of emotion. And then my mind just started going a million miles a minute. And I would just got more and more excited. The more I thought, you know, this is the X gene, you know, this makes sense that her and Pietro were the only ones that survived the examination from the mind stone because they had the X gene and it was dormant. She probably just used her hex probabilities on the bomb to stop it. And then she didn't know. And I just like got super, super excited. And I like pretty much just like the, f- figured out what the rest of the episode was going to lay out. But in like a really excited way. Not to like say that I'm like Jimmy Neutron over here with a big brain, but like I just I've been so invested in trying to figure out the character of Wanda and what's a letter to Westview that seeing that was uh, really really exciting. I, I can understand the complaints towards it because it kind of does feel like oh we're gonna go back and like tidy up this thing that you know we didn't have the Fox rights back then, but now we do, so we can tidy up what we want to do. Uh, but I was just I think that the way that surprisingly the emotion hooked me. I was just tied in. They could have done whatever they wanted with me at that point because I was just so emotionally invested from that one brief moment, which was so uncharacteristic for me. So I don't know why this episode really
1: hit me so strongly. Rob, your thoughts? Um, you know, a lot of thoughts. First, I want to I want to talk directly to the uh, listeners who are not comic fans necessarily, and I want to talk about retcon and why you should get used to this. Because <laughs> those of us who are comic readers, uh, we're just kind of used to this idea that nobody's ever really dead. Like, I guess other other than Uncle Ben, that's about it. Everybody else who's dead <laughs> comes back. Like, nobody is ever dead except Uncle Ben. So a retcon or a retroactive continuity is kind of this thing where you sort of just don't really refer back to things that happened before, or you just conveniently decide that, well, this plot point or this thing that you used to believe, we're just going to change that. And usually it's some like, just ridiculous reason it's a it's an alternate reality version or there's something mystical or there's something quantum or something cosmic you know my two favorite buzzwords of how they fix everything that is really Mm -hmm. actually just like Mm -hmm. magic but they but they want to use science instead of magic they use one of those two words just get used to this idea because we see it in comics all the time like it's it's amazing to me like in gotham city that nobody ever leaves like it's it, like Joker takes over the city. It's a completely burned out and everybody like Batman beats him up, puts him in jail, takes over, takes Gotham back over. And then like two months later, Bane does the exact same thing. And everybody <laughs> forgets the Joker literally just did it. I mean, Matt, where you and I live in Western New York, people leave when they raise taxes or when it snows three feet, like people just leave after that. Like there's no reason anybody would ever live in <laughs> Gotham city if it was a real place, but I digress. So They got great coffee shops there. Apparently, that's the only (laughs) thing I can think. I I don't know why anybody else would literally ever stay. But retcons, uh, it's something that I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen in the MCU yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of it um, with the uncertainty of what movie theaters are going to be like. Um, You know, you think about people that we thought were not part of the MCU anymore, like Tony Stark, like Captain America. Um, Those actors were thinking maybe they would move on to other projects. Well, other than MCU related projects, I'm not sure what else gets people to line up in theaters in in the post COVID world. So or still during COVID world truly. Um, so don't be surprised if Chris Evans decides he wants to come back uh, or if Robert Downey Jr. Decides he wants to come back in some way. So you could, you could certainly see um, some retcons of, of people coming back um, in terms of this actual scene. Um, uh, you know, a couple things. <laughs> what occurs to me is just how awful is their life, that of this family there's just gunfire in the streets there's fires burning and they're just sort of meh about it oh it's it's sitcom night everybody it's (laughs) oh there's people shooting in the street (laughs) it's just thursday that's what they do you know like there's literally gunfire and a war going on in the streets and instead of like barricading their windows and huddling together they're just like which episode is it tonight kids like whose turn is it to pick like it just it just really makes you You know, obviously we've talked about the various different traumas that Wanda has experienced throughout her life, but just simply growing up in that environment. We even got a glimpse of this in the Halloween episode um, where they're where they're showing them trick or treating and you can see like the fires in the background and you can hear the gunfire and the war going on around them while these kids are trying to participate in the act of trick or treating. I mean, it's um, just even growing up in that environment would, would be terrifying. Um, uh, Again though, who's handing out candy there? (laughs) I think she gave (laughs) her a fish too. Like it was weird. Yeah.
0: I'm not Um, handing out candy if it's raining, let let alone (laughs) gunfire going off.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, you know, no NBD for these folks. Like, that's just their life. Like, it's just always like this. Um, I also say that I wanted the guy playing Papa. At some point, I just wanted to see him magnetically levitate something. I just, I really wanted it. I knew (laughs) we weren't going to get it, but selfishly, I wanted it. Um, And I, I, I don't know how I feel, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Having them go completely on the nose with the shows that this series has drawn inspiration from, you know, showing us the Dick Van Dyke show showing us the DVD collection with bewitched. And, and then later on, you know, they're actually watching Malcolm in the middle, which, you know, the, the two thousands level show um, really drew a ton of inspiration from. Um, I just don't know if I, I loved it. I, I kind of like it when things are kind of left unsaid, like we get the gist, like we kind of know that this is based a lot on bewitched. Like we don't, we didn't, I don't know if I really loved the fact that they just went right out and, and showed us these. Um, I, I don't know. I, um, I I don't know how I feel about that. I think I probably would have been happier had they had they not given us that at all.
0: I didn't mind it in the sense that, um, Harrison, I'll, I'll let you piggyback off of it, but I, I didn't mind it in the sense that, like, why she liked them. Again, it's just – and again maybe when it's your world and it's your life and this is your norm it's different but again i'm just kind of like in this place that they live where in the heck did this guy get these dvds like you're you're telling me the blockbuster hasn't been blown up like everything <laughs> <else>? like like, <laughs> like what you know and i know he said he was going to sell them like oh i'll sell them tomorrow whatever the line was to get money um but to me it was like where in the heck would you even have these in this, in this part of the world that you're living in? Because every single day there's bombs and gunfire and, and everything else. So I I didn't mind it in terms of like, Oh, it was so on the nose. Like this is exactly why these shows are the ones that these styles are the ones that she picked. Um, It just, again, if I'm looking at it from a lot of other things are trying to be looked at so seriously, I I had a hard time with that transition that they would even have these things, so to speak um, based on where these kids grew up and what was going around them every day. So uh, Harrison, I'll let you get into that.
2: I I think this is an interesting question for me to answer. I've realized as we've recorded these episodes together is that when it comes to like writing, you guys think about things so much differently than me. I think you're just (laughs) so much wiser when it comes to stuff. Like you guys are pointing out these things like, Oh yeah, this is kind of like cheap writing. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that actually kind of is. Why didn't I ever notice that before? But I never say that. I just kind of think, like, (laughs) oh, yeah, you guys are right. Uh, So uh, to answer your question, I was going to say later, but I'll just say it now, you mentioned, Matt, that this episode is a lot of exposition. Like, we get – we see the scenario, like the one we're talking about with the bomb or whatever one, and then Agnes shows up and she pretty – or Agatha, I should call her real name. Agatha shows up and she just, like, summarizes it, and – it's kind of cheap writing to be like, oh, in case you didn't get what we just showed you, we're going to have someone tell you, uh, which was weird because like, my brain recognized like this is kind of dumb that they're doing it this way, but I loved every second of it. Like I couldn't wait for Catherine Hahn to show up and summarize it as loony as she is. Like I, I, I can't explain why I can recognize how kind of lazy it is or kind of cheap or dumbed down but, like, I'm all for it. I'm like, yeah, just spoon feed me. I'm loving this. It's weird. I think that that there's something that maybe I'm just an easy viewer. But the, I think the way that they executed it, for me at least, just worked. So, uh, really, I, I have, like, no complaints about anything. I, I get, I'll I just happily be spoon fed in the corner. You, I, you guys are like the two adults <laughs> at the table. And I'm like the bait. I'm like Jack Jack. Like just give me more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh jeez! Uh, I'm gonna lose my entire train of focus there because that, <laughs> that, that just that got me. Um, and I, I gotta tell you, I think. Uh, I mean, Rob, I I feel this way about you, but I think that might be the first time I was ever called wise. So uh, I'm straightening my uh, my shirt. I'm standing up a little bit straighter right now. Um, or or an adult, by the way, like right. that's just not something I normally get. <laughs> exactly. So, Harrison, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, again, we're we're talking about exposition here, and what happens. Um, and we go from the scene of her being a kid to, um, I, I will say, and it was just, it was kind of cutthroat and it made me laugh and it it shouldn't make me laugh, but when Agatha says, so what I see here is, and I'm paraphrasing, a girl who loves sitcom, dead parents, and a ton of therapy ahead of her. I was like, that's <laughs> terrible. Like, <laughs> like, good, like, good lord, you're so horrible. But um, just the way that she delivered it was like, wow. Um, so the next scene that we get though, is a, almost the post credit scene, so to speak that we got from captain America, civil war. No, I'm sorry. Not civil war. Um, winter soldier, where we are introduced to Wanda and Pietro, uh, minus Pietro in this scene and she's with Loki Scepter. Um, which it was really cool to see that back in scepter form. I like that a lot. Um, But this scene was really cool because you get to see her amplified by the infinity stone. And I don't know if you guys have been able to, or listeners, if you've seen the still frame picture um, from her vision, but Holy crap. Her, well, her, comic book costume that we see in that glimpse of like her seeing a future version of herself is unbelievable. Um, I cannot wait to see that on screen because it looks amazing. Um, But again, kind of going back and taking away what we thought we knew of, Oh, well she was given her powers because of the infinity stone. Now it's just, it, amplified what she already had inside her so i did like this scene but again it's more of boy we can just go back and say this is why this happened and let's now drop these characters into this universe so uh rob i'll i'll let you go first on this one and you know one what do you think of you know the next flashback and two have you gotten to see uh her costume in a still frame
1: I have seen it. Uh, it's definitely out there. It's not hard to find. Um, my overall th- feeling on it is: a, I, I'm really not bothered by retcons as much because I've, you know, I'm a comic reader, so it's just right. like, okay, finally, we're we're getting one of these now. Like, but I'm fine with that. Also, if this brings us closer to introducing the X Men. Listen, Feige, do whatever you got to do, man. Just bring me, bring me the X Men. Like that's <laughs> that's really just what that's what I'm looking for. Um, not that I think they necessarily are hurting for money at the end, you know, with with Marvel and and Disney and and that whole group. Um, but if you look at the future of this. Um, they they kind of have some villain problems, I think. Uh, and I, Matt, I think we've talked about this before. As you spin it forward um, and you talk about the great villains in comic books, it starts with Batman. Then you move to probably Spider-Man. Then you get into the X-Men. And then you get into literally everybody else. <laughs> um, prior to that, and, I, and I'm not wrong on this. I will accept no other answers. Um, prior to disney's reacquisition of all of their marvel characters from fox um they really didn't have full access just to do whatever they wanted to do yeah they have they kind of share spider-man with sony um but in terms of being able to just do venom or do carnage or or any of spider-man's iconic rogues gallery it was going to be a little bit harder Mm -hmm. um and I, I kind of think they, they need the X-Men because they need the compelling villains you get from the X-Men. I mean, I want Juggernaut on screen. I want Magneto on screen. I want to see what they decide to do with Mystique. I want to see all of these characters. Um, you know, the Hellfire Club, bring me all of this. And if retconning Wanda's powers brings us that much closer to it, sign me up. I'm in.
0: Yeah. Uh, Harrison, what's, what's your feeling on the next flashback and, you know, anything that Rob or I said in our segment?
2: Uh, yeah, I like I kind of mentioned earlier, I as soon as the bomb blast happened, I my mind just kicked into high gear, and I was thinking about any possible meaning that this could have. And I kind of saw it coming uh, to pull out my Jimmy Neutron brain again. But <laughs> I was like, oh, they're going to revisit the time when she had, is, has interaction with the Mind Stone and this, this is how our powers are going to be developed. Almost like they're kind of like merging a little bit of the Inhumans with the X-Gene, which I think is kind of weird. Uh, but also super cool. Uh, because I've always, I've always kind of had a beef. Like, why, why Wanda and Pietro were the only two to survive the experiments? Like, we've known that since, I think, Age of Ultron. Maybe it was Captain America Winter Soldier. I don't remember. One of the two where they were introduced... They mentioned that they were the only two that survived. And it's like, okay, you're going to say that they're the only two that survived, but never really talk about why. Uh, so I was excited to have at least what I feel is is substantial evidence as to why. Uh, and I was also just freaking out about the vision she had, where she sees that... Um, that herself kind of descending that was a sweet scene and I saw those you know enhanced photos of her costume and I cannot wait (laughs) it looks so good um so yeah I think I was just I was just having a ball the whole time because I was just I had ideas of what I hoped would happen and then they happened and it was just exciting to to have my wishes fulfilled and also, I've been kind of hard, because uh, because Rob, you seem to always have this firm hope that the X-Men is showing up the MCU. And in my head, I've said it sometimes, and I was like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Like, I, <laughs> I always, whether I say it or not, I always kind of shut that idea down. Like, no, nah, not happening for a few years. But I think I'm wrong. I think that the X-Men will be introduced in the MCU kind of one at a time, so to speak. Like, maybe we'll get Storm in the next Black Panther movie. Maybe we'll get someone else here, you, you know, just, just kind of scattered throughout, which I think would be way better than just kind of like ham-fisted. Oh, they were in a different universe or, or a different, you know, section of the multiverse. Let's just bring them in. You know, I feel like that'd be kind of cheap. Uh, and I think it'd be cool to have the same way we have a slow anticipation to an Avengers film and then a bigger Avengers film. It'd be cool to see oh, you know, there's an X-Men in this show and there's an X-Men in in this movie and now there's an X-Men here and an X-Men there and now we're having an X-Men movie. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just excited about all of it. Whatever it means, I think that Rob uh, is right in the villain's uh, idea that... that, uh, I'm still hoping that maybe Pietro and Wanda are adopted (laughs) and we'll get (laughs) Magneto as their parents. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but,
0: you know, one can hope yeah um you know speaking of just i got again there's some things that really draw for me and again maybe i'm just i'm totally reaching but um some parts of her costume and the way it was designed really from the prequel trilogy for x-men like start that started with first class I, i got real like magneto vibes from her costume just the way it was designed especially from like x-men apocalypse and um days of future past like just the the way it was designed and obviously it's red which she's always been but i just got a real magneto costume vibe from what they showed for wanda so again it just might be me wanting to will that into existence but i thought that was really cool um and, and with this scene, you know, at the end, we've get Agatha has a theory about why this happened, but she needs more. Um, and this led to the scene that, again, was pretty emotional to me. And it was just another example of how great these two are together and how I'm just dumbfounded by how far they've come and how far I have come in terms of how much I like these two as a couple Uh, We get Wanda at the compound, uh, the Avengers compound, and Rob, this is before the event happens that takes the Sokovia Accords, but in a previous episode, so I'll let you go after this, you talked about, you know, Wanda before this has had grief. Um, what was it like for her knowing that she tried to do the right thing when they were going on a mission and people in that building were killed because of her. Um, And it's before those events happened. But once again, she is like in this compound and feeling alone. It's the second, you know, this was the first time that this happened to her. And she even says, I was in a new country. I was alone. Uh, My brother was dead. And maybe she says that in a different order, but she is just there. She's lonely. She's broken. Um, And she has vision. And so you kind of started to maybe see why there was that, you know, why vision liked her so much and why he was protective of her in civil war because of just this one little scene and the connection that they had um and this is vision at his best not understanding something because he can't quantify or whatever you want to say like why the show that she's watching should be funny um <laughs> but man it was i i love this scene and i love vision's dialogue about how he like hasn't experienced loss because he doesn't have a loved one to lose. Um, and then talking about like, what is grief and everything? Like I thought that was really, really good. And I was truly like moved by this scene, uh, seeing them together. So Rob, I'll, I'll let you go first on that.
1: You know, what's interesting about this scene to me, um, Matt, we kind of talked about it um, with uh, the Mandalorian. Um, it feels like they're going back and trying to fix things that went wrong um, or go back and correct things. Or, you know, they they brought Boba Fett back when, when they killed him off in just a stupid, terrible, awful way um, in, in Return of the Jedi. It, it kind of feels like they're picking little moments um, in the MCU, specifically as it were, as it regards to these two characters uh, in particular and trying to fill things in, trying to uh, give us those moments um, that you don't have time in a blockbuster film to show us specifically like this scene. We see that kinship form that kinship of, of being kind of alone and not really knowing and not having anybody else on the team that shares what they share um, that grows. And and I'm not sure we really saw their relationship developed well in the films. Like it just kind of happens out of nowhere. It's, it's not as bad as, as the Black Widow Hulk one in Age of Ultron was just like, oh, well they wrote us to sort of like each other now. So we're gonna kind of like each other now. And it just came out of nowhere and it felt forced and, and just weird. Um, you know, it wasn't quite as bad, but it still didn't feel like it was well developed. Um, but when you get this scene, in context with what we saw before, now it does feel like it's filled in. Just this it's not even a ten minute scene, I don't think. Um and it and it helps define that so much better for me and I believe it so much more that when I rewatch, you know, Captain America three, when I re watch Infinity War, um, their scenes together will land much better for me, having seen this flashback.
0: Yeah, good, good stuff. Harrison, um I would think, you said this episode was pretty emotional to you. I would think this would be another one where it, it was probably at a high level for you. What do you think?
2: Oh, yeah, with, without a doubt. You know, I I mentioned how much that, that previous scene with her parents really got to me. So I, I'm sure you guys can imagine how much of a mess I was after this scene. Um, it was, when they're sitting there talking, and oh, I just... I wasn't, I was sobbing. I, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where something happens in your life where you feel a little bit broken and you meet someone, whether it's a romantic interest or someone that becomes a romantic interest or a friend, they're there in a way that you didn't know they could be. And s- suddenly they fill a hole. And having experienced that multiple times in my life and seeing Wanda so broken and having vision. Which, to what to what you said earlier, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen have totally a hundred percent sold me on this relationship. I'm so much more invested than I ever thought I would be in them. They are so great together. Uh, that moment, just I was, I was a puddle of tears. <laughs> I, I, which is so we- weird for me, but it was really just. I agree with everything you said. It it makes everything retroactively in the relationship and in you so much stronger, and also makes the next part of what we see is so much worse for Wanda. Um, hmm. I just, I, I felt so healed for Wanda and having vision and immediately heartbroken knowing that she lost him so soon after. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's previous to this episode. I really was kind of angry with Wanda. I was viewing her as a villain. Like she's the worst. She's selfish. She's kind of pathetic. Like get over it. And now I'm like, well, like you really are broken. And and you do need help. And, and I can understand why you might lash out with your emotions instead of completely understanding them after all you've gone through. So I thought it was a great scene. I also thought it was a great scene for developing uh, Vision. And when he comes back without his memories, it's going to make that gut wrench even worse, which is obviously the theory that I'm going on. Um, so, yeah, probably if I had to pick one, that might be my favorite scene of the entire season. And it was like, what, like five minutes, if that? It was just those two leads have just ripped my heart out.
0: Yeah. It's uh, very well said Rob. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have ever had that what Harrison described, but I, I once got a Mr. Potato head for Christmas. Um, and that helped me fill some holes in my life. So I know what you're <laughs> talking about. Um, <laughs> or so. is it just potato head oh, now? <laughs> oh <my laughs> um, oh my gosh. so, you know, um, but um, <laughs> moving on from my traumatic story of Christmas, um, <laughs> I will say that for me, the next scene was really the one that actually got me emotionally. Um, I did have a lot of emotions during this, but the next scene is where we get Wanda going to sword. Uh, we saw part of this in an earlier episode, but we find out the whole story here Um, and you get Hayward. um, She wants to take vision and she wants to bury him and give him a funeral. She says he deserves that. And she says, I deserve that. Um, And this is where Hayward again, gives me William Stryker vibes from the X-Men but I also see that we get the hints that he manipulated Wanda because he says, I can't let you take him. I can't let somebody who can bring him back online. And he says, excuse me, back to life. Um, you have that power. I can't let you do that. And she's super confused by that statement and says, I'm, I'm not here for that. I, I can't do that. Um, I think that was very targeted and deliberate why he said that to her. Um, and we'll get into that later. Cause I know you guys have some questions and we have some uh, theories. Um, but the thing that got me the most about this episode is after he says, no, you can't take him. She crashes through the glass. We've seen this scene in security footage and she goes down to see vision's body. And the scene that got me is she puts her hand on him and she says, I can't feel you. And she says that twice. And the reason that got to me is because when she has to kill him in infinity war, he says to her, you can never hurt me. I can only feel you. Um, That was where I was like, this sucks. Um, And I was like, damn, that's really good writing. That's a really good callback. Um, And again, just it's the chemistry and it's a guy sitting on a lab table getting experiment on. So there's no chemistry to be had, but (laughs) it was so emotional for me with that line. It was just such a great callback. And again, just further drove home, like how broken this human being is. Um, Harrison, I'll let you go. Uh, I'll let you piggyback. Um, you know, where, where do you go from there?
2: Uh, if I was a puddle of tears when vision and her were watching TV, I'm sure you can just draw some conclusions of where I was the rest of this episode. It just got worse (laughs) and worse. I don't know what was going on with me, but yeah, when she said, I can't feel you, I was just heartbroken. I, I just lost it. I thought same, same thoughts you had great writing, great performance, great chemistry. Um, just, just so much, and, and it's so awful that this show does this to me—that just rips my heart to pieces. But at the same time, I've got to deal with the fact that Hayward is a jerk, and he's—he's he's the villain here. I've been—I've been treating Wanda as a villain when she's just broken and needs some healing. And Hayward, and, and like to have to deal with so much grief and also uh, confront the, the the progression of the antagonist. Yeah, just it was great writing, great television making. Yeah, that was, uh. I can't say it better than you did. That was just a great moment that, again, taking the, sh- the show to levels that I was not expecting.
1: All right. Rob, where do you stand on this? You know, Matt, I picked up on some very similar things that you did. When, when Hayward says, not everyone has the power to bring their soulmate back online, forgive me, back to life. Um, I don't remember her at any point really showing those abilities with what she's done. Um, so it made me wonder why exactly does he believe that? Um, it it was very interesting to me. And, and yes, I agree hundred percent. It seemed like he was provoking her. Um, and, and he said that it was, you know, basically they're, they're, they're functionally recycling him is kind of what he says to her they're doing, which it's been five years. That seems a bit weird that they're just now getting around to, you know, doing the recycling run and getting that stuff out to the curb so that it can, you know, be avoided from going into the (laughs) landfill. Um, But when you really, you know, Harrison, you talked about how this is a very emotional scene for you. Um, It it definitely hit me the first time. Uh, And the second time I watched this, what really occurred to me about how I'm surprised she was able to keep it together as well as she did. Cause functionally what she walked in on was not only the autopsy of her significant other but the organ harvesting at the same I mean they're going at the dude's face with an angle grinder like and and that's her that's her like like that's her her soulmate and, and they're just a bunch of people in lab coats casually just like oh yeah his left arm's over there his right arms over here his foot's down there I'm just you know you know somebody flips down the the welding shield and they're just kind of working and <laughs> you know in about 15 minutes I get my union coffee break I'll be back later guys like and, and they're just so casual about it, um, it it's like that to me was just eve even more heartbreaking the second time, just thinking about it in those terms um, than, than when I saw it the first time, Um, you know, I just, it's so messed up that she walks in on that. Um, And then immediately from there, you know, just completely breaks down. Um, And uh, it, it kind of reminds me of the film Logan, where Charles Xavier, who is the most powerful mind in the world um, when, when that mind starts to go through something like dementia, um, how dangerous is is that person. When you talk about somebody like Wanda, who's got the abilities that she does when she has all of this trauma and all of this stress in her life and, and nobody truly to share that with, you know, certainly she has Avengers teammates, but we never get the impression that she's close to any of them other than vision. Um, we don't really get the idea. Maybe she's got a connection to black widow. There's, there's some theories that there's training happening for these new Avengers uh, kind of recruits at the end of uh, the second Avengers film, Age of Ultron, um, that perhaps they're they're being trained. So maybe you could you could do that, but nobody can really relate to her. You know, she's got a, a past that nobody can can even touch. She's had things happen in her life that none of them have had to go through. Um, even Tony Stark being captured and, and having all the terrible things that have happened in his life that have happened. He, you know, he's he's not somebody that's just going to sit her down and be like, "All right, kid, here's my shoulder." You know, let's let's talk this through. Um, so when she has to go through all that on her own, um, holy cow, that is, that is a very, very dangerous, dangerous person. Um, it, it really did remind me of Logan so much in that. Um, and then, you know, for me, I, honestly, the, the, the most emotional scene for me is, is right after this, when we first see the fifties sitcom in black and white, and he's there visions there, he stares at her and he says, Wanda, welcome home and then she turns into the smiling housewife from the 1950s and she looks so happy and in and like my heart broke at that moment because i wanted that to be reality for her i wanted that to be what was actually going on but i've already but i already know that that's not what's actually happening we've already been through seven other episodes that have shown us that this isn't real and that there's terrible things about to happen um, but seeing that happiness and knowing it wasn't real wow did that get to me
0: Yeah, um, I mean, we even get right before that, too, we get the scene of when she leaves S.W.O.R.D. headquarters, uh, you find out that she Vision left her a deed for a house um, that looked like that was supposed to be yours, and I'm assuming that that was done before the snap. Um, that Vision was doing these things and got this land for her because when she pulls into Westview um, as it is, or I'm sorry, yeah, um, it's kind of run down and it's very reminiscent of the way the world looks in Endgame after the snap with everybody, um, you know, with half the population being gone. So for me, it's like, the whole ending portion is just kind of like one heart tug after another, that this was supposed to be their life. Um, he had plans for them to be together, obviously, and nothing. Um, and you get that scene where she just like all of her magic or whatever we're going to call it. Um, it just, bursts out of her, and it creates Westview. I thought that was a really, really cool scene, just visually, so appealing, um, how this world was created and the colors coming in and then switching back. Um, that whole thing was super well done. Uh, so Harrison, i'll let you I'll let you talk about, you know, getting up to the ending and then, you know, the the reveal of the first time that we hear Wanda's code name um in this universe i'll let you take it up to that point okay uh yeah
2: i i was just torn apart by that scene of her seeing the autopsy on her love that that was that would be horrible uh but then to see that uh director hayward lied to monica and uh, agent Wu and darcy and, and other people there that the division had or excuse me, that Wanda had stolen Vision's body and all the ideas that I had come to about how she was able to revive him back, uh, then to see that that wasn't the case, that she left peacefully and was just alone with her grief, uh, to then see her drive. And I, I will point out the the level of detail to think, you know, as she drives through this small town, people are dealing with the snap and the unsnap. The world's weird. Uh, I, that's a detail that I wouldn't have even thought about but seeing it portrayed was great. Uh, but yeah, seeing vision buy her a house. I had to pause the episode cause I was just a mess. I am so heartbroken for Wanda. I want nothing but the best for her. I was, I was against her up until this episode. I wanted her to get her recompense, for her sins of creating a false reality <laughs> and now i'm like this poor woman just leave her alone just just let her be happy like she's just been through so much um and yeah just i was a mess uh and similar to what rob said that when she creates this reality just out of grief spontaneously unintentionally out of grief and love and and loss uh wow w- what great writing to have that be what all of this is all about um, and what it means to her and why she's, Oh, it, I had no idea that I was going to get this much out of this episode. Uh, so we go through all that and we're welcome back to the world of Westview. And now we get to confront that Agatha or Agnes, or I said her name right. Correcting myself unnecessarily. <laughs> Agatha is, um, She's figured it out. Uh, And we get the reveal that she is now WandaVision and she has chaos magic. And there's a part of me that just appreciates the acknowledgement of that. Whatever it means, whatever you've read or haven't read in comics, let me just say this. I think it's great to see a character like Agatha, who's clearly a witch and has been involved in magic, as I'm going to call it, for a long time and has been searching for power for a long time. And we see someone who has just been, have power just erupt from them through emotion and horrible situations to gain such power to be sought after by someone like Agatha, and then to be given the title of the Scarlet Witch and Chaos Magic. For those of you who aren't readers of comics, let me just put it really uh, simply. Magic is defined by so many different things in the comics. Uh, when Wanda is first introduced as a character, she has hex probabilities, uh, just the ability to control an outcome of something, uh, no matter how illogical. Uh, and later, there's different magic called chaos magic, which, to put it simply, is just magic of large amounts. It's just really powerful magic that can alter reality. Uh, it's chaos magic. You know, whatever writers wanted to define it at that time is just extremely powerful magic. Uh, And so to see the acknowledgement of that and what has come or or what Wanda has come into through these emotions um, and also just a little bit to see uh, the character of uh, Scarlet Witch to get like this, this mystery, you know, like you're the Scarlet Witch instead of just like, oh, you're Iron Man. Here's your cheesy name. Like it, it means something in the history of witches and sorcery. Uh, which i have some ideas into its connection into the multiverse but uh and dr strange so yeah just the whole thing is like oh my gosh so much is happening i'm, I'm just emotionally <laughs> destroyed and then i'm so excited because we're getting chaos magic and and the scarlet witch and and katherine Hahn looks awesome as agatha and she's flown up in the air and her eyes, hair's flying out and she looks totally crazy and she <laughs> said her name like it's just it's uh, it's too much it's like those funny memes where people <laughs> just freak out and like pass out and the screen goes blank. Yeah, that was me. Like that that was me. I was too many things. That, the show put me through a roller coaster.
0: Yeah, Rob, uh, you know, take us through your thoughts right up to the well, the end of the episode. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I kind of noticed as we've seen Agatha use more and more of her abilities, um, we've seen magic from three different groups of people really in, in the MCU so far. We've seen what Wanda's capable of. Her magic is, it's all red. And we've seen primarily what she's able to do with it in the production design, you know, from, a, from an animation standpoint and a, and a practicality standpoint of what it does and what it looks like uh, in several films. We've now seen what Agatha does, and it's purple, and it looks different than hers. Uh, but then when we also think about what the magic users in, in the Doctor Strange, you know, part of the MCU, it's all these geometric patterns and shapes and things like that, the way they access it is different. Even their hand movements are all three of those characters, you know, the, the Doctor Strange group, um, all of those wizards and and the the good guys and the bad guys in that world, they, they're all accessing basically the same style of magic. It's, it's the same, you know, symbols and the same movements and the same general laws about governing it. Um, I just really think that it's interesting how they did that. They've made three different versions of it because it really does look like to me that what Agatha what Agatha is doing um, and the way she's controlling and using her magic is very different from what we've seen in those other ones. And i like the idea that there's different ways to access it. Um, and that could mean different things for the future. Um, if we possibly see more magical users uh, coming through, you know, certainly we keep thinking maybe Mephisto will show up um, and that'll mean something. Um, I, I think it's really cool what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um... Whatever that's going to mean, and Harrison, you know, we'll get into this uh, in a little bit here, but, you know, chaos magic and, you know, it's in this universe, you know, fans know that she's the Scarlet Witch, but to this universe, it's a big deal that she's the Scarlet Witch because it means something, Um so it'll be interesting to see what that means in the grand scheme of the MCU and why Agatha is like so afraid of it because she tells her like, you don't know how dangerous you are. Um, from everything we've seen, it seems like Agatha would maybe try and like partner with Wanda and control her or use her. Uh, but she seems to be more once she realizes um, it doesn't seem like she's that into the fact that Wanda has these powers at the end of it. That's just kind of the impression I got. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens here in this season finale and what it means going forward. Because, I I mean, this is not the end of the story, so to speak, because we know this ties into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So Rob Harrison... Uh, I know you guys have uh, some questions and things that we're going to go over, but before we do all of that, um, what do you guys think? Do you think we should talk about the end credit scene, or do you think we should rate this episode and put the end credit scene as a segue into the questions that we have left over going into the final episode?
1: I think let's talk about the end credit scene, because that's part of where my rating comes from. Okay. Okay. Let's uh let's talk about the
0: end scene because we finally get um in this episode, we did not see Vision, um, so to speak. I mean, we saw him at the end in, in the uh the sword headquarters, but we don't see Darcy, we don't see Monica, we don't see Pietro, um, and we didn't see Hayward, but we see Hayward after the credits roll. And we get the answer to the question from last week of what were they getting ready to launch? And what they're getting ready to launch is a rebooted vision, which we all have a theory on. And he looks incredible. Um, He gave me a real Harrison. Maybe you got this because I pay attention to your letterbox and I pay attention to your reviews. Um, he gave me a Tron vibe with his new color scheme. Um oh, yeah. And I know you love Tron Legacy. I um, too. <laughs> but we get to see Vision and we see him coming back online, but the way he comes back online gives me question about who he is, so to speak. So I will go first and say that I really love the end credit scene, and I have one whole theory based off of it. Um, But Rob, I'll let you go first. Um, What's your thought on the end credit scene? And then you said that leads into your review.
1: Yeah, so... (sighs) I, I, first of all, I I love the fact that we were getting kind of the all white version of vision, um, that we have not seen prior to this in the MCU. And, um, I, I, I love when we get a realistic version of a comic inspired, you know, costume. I think that's, I think that's just so much fun. Um, and I love when they do it. Um, you know, Matt, we've kind of talked about before the the early X Men films. They just went with the all black leather jumpsuits and like, okay, this is what you guys would wear. And while that might tactically be what you would wear in the field if you were, you know, battling for the fate of the free world, you know, I like the flashy colors better. I like the I like Wolverine and in, in the yellow and blue. Like, I'd rather see that if I'm being honest. Um, so, being able to see that was was super fun for me. I got very very excited about that. But the way that they did it was kind of. Ugh. like I realize, and I've said this before on, on other reviews that we're talking about a fake universe where people have magic and gamma radiation turns people into giant hulks. And, <laughs> and there's, there's people who, who can invent flying machines that don't actually work. And there's super soldiers. it's like, I realize we're talking about a fake universe. I, I get it. Like none of this is real, but uh, to me, sometimes like the lazy writing that, occasionally creates things like, Oh, we just had to get a piece from the source and it's, and somehow there's still magic floating around this drone that they had sent in to kill her that when she dragged it out and it was still just, you know, I guess magical auras were around it and they just put it into a box. And I don't know, is there a vacuum in the box that just sucks the aura out of it and shoots it into, you know, the white vision sarcophagus and infuses it. Some like, how does that work? Exactly. Like, like it's it's one of the there's a couple times throughout this episode. You're just not supposed to ask questions. You're just supposed to just kind of go with it. And, and that can be fun. Like, trust me, I, I enjoyed this episode. I, it was very, um, it, it pulled on your heartstrings. It gave you a lot of, of background details that we really wanted. Um, it was a lot of fun. It, it, it answered some questions and it spurred a whole bunch more questions that we only have one final episode to get answers to. We hope we're going to get answers to it. I think some of this won't get answered until Dr. Strange. But um, to me, like, it just, it felt kind of lazy. Um, as far as how they were doing it, I I didn't like it.
0: Okay, uh, interesting take on that, uh, Harrison. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, well,
1: again,
2: Rob's made me feel like Jack Jack. I'm like <laughs> the, the most susceptible person to diversion. Like I, White Vision shows up, I don't care what it takes to get me there. Like I'm all for it. You know, like I'm not thinking about the complexities of logistics of getting the the the. Aura of Wanda's magic, and <laughs> but as soon as he starts to say, I'm like, "Oh, he actually kind of has a point," uh, but in the <laughs> moment, I was just like, I, "I was just losing it." Like, we're getting white vision, um, and also the idea that kind of what it means that Hayward lied for a reason. What does that mean going forward? To, to meaning to like Monica and Agent Woo and Darcy. Also, there's now two visions. There's the vision that kind of came out of one. What I'm assuming assuming his Wanda's connection to the mind stone and her memories and her cosmic magic or chaos cosmic. Oh my gosh. I I fell for the buzzword, the chaos (laughs) magic um, to bring an identity of vision back, but he doesn't have his memories before Westview, but he's still very much good. He's still very much on the side of life. As he says in age of Ultron, he's very much who he is, but he's not at the same time. And now we have, his physical body that is, has been his identity that is now all white. And I'm pretty sure is going to be voiced by James Spader. At least I hope. And, (laughs) and what that means for someone to not have his emotional values, uh, for lack of better words. And it was, I was just losing my mind. I was like, Oh my gosh, what a season finale. Yeah. What is this all going to mean? How are they going to wrap all of this up? Uh, so yeah, I just went total Jack Jack mode and let him spoon feed me every minute of it and was loving it. And then in it, ended, and I was, I was like, "Come on, give me more! I don't want to wait
0: another week." Yeah. Um, so some varying thoughts on that, but before we get into what we have still open for the season finale, uh, let's give our reviews of this episode. Uh, I'll start first. For me. This is four and a half out of five reels, Uh, just a few minor hiccups along the way, but a very, very good episode. Uh, Rob, I feel like you're, I don't know, maybe you're not too far off from what Harrison and I think um, in terms of overall, um, but maybe you are based on some of the things that you said. What are you,
1: where are you going with this one? You know, Matt, when you opened this, uh, you had said that your initial viewing, you kind of were down on this. Um, and you sort of came around on it on your second uh, watch through. Um, I was prepared after my first watch and and going through the weekend to call this somewhere in the threes. Um, I was too. There was, yeah. Um, and on my rewatch, I think some of the things that I disliked, I, I just kind of maybe didn't pay as close of attention to. I also think some of the more emotional parts that really did land and really did work well, uh, carried me through quite a bit more. Um, so for me, this is a four out of five. Um, there was, you know, like I said before, there was, there's certainly some over the topness that we didn't need. There's, there's some writing there's, there's some dialogue that just doesn't need to be there. Sometimes the best thing to say is, is actually not to say anything and let the audience kind of do it on, on their own. We don't necessarily need, um, You know, every single detail, like just smacked in our face, like, see, ha, this is it. Look at this. You know, um, I think that's sometimes the fun of a show like this is to is to have to kind of figure this all out on your own. Um, That being said, um, some of the real uh, other than Endgame, um, which really just hits at four or five different points of that film, like a ton of bricks um, for, for emotional impact. Uh, this episode of, of this show has got the most emotional punch of anything we've seen in the MCU, for my money at least, um, uh, with the notable exception of Endgame. All right. Uh,
0: Harrison, where do you rank this episode? I know what you ranked the season, you said. So does the episode coincide? Uh, well...
2: Before rob ruined my Jack-Jack moment, it was a solid five. Uh, and if I stay in that Jack-Jack mindset, which I'm now going to call it for the rest of forever, uh, it would be a solid five without a doubt. But with those things that I can't uh, not acknowledge, uh, I would say it's a four and a half. Uh, for what it means for the season, this, this episode without a doubt has made the season as a whole a five out of five. But this episode is a four and a half, if that makes any sense. Uh, but that's just because Rob ruined it. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I We're going to do a spin-off
1: I- called... Rob ruins everything.
0: Yeah. Rob I, ruins everything. Harrison, do not let him, do not get into a long conversation about the Last Jedi with him. You <laughs> oh, drink, drink. Yep, we said Last Jedi.
1: Everyone drink.
0: So, my goodness. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, overall, there's some varying opinions on this episode between the three of us, but a lot more on the good side of the meter than the bad. But. I know we have a lot of theories and you guys had some questions written down for how this ends, but you know, listeners, this is, we're going to do a little bit of an extra segment here uh, because this show's coming to an end. So we're going to put out some of our, you know, what we need to see, what are the questions that need to still be answered And maybe do we think we're going to get an answer in those uh, for those questions. So, Guys, if you don't mind, I'm going to kick us off here with it's not really a question, but a we have this version of vision, and Harrison, you talked about it for a brief second. I feel that there's no way it is not voiced by James Spader, and I believe you guys feel the same from our discussion, and that it's going to be Ultron's voice that is behind vision. And I think there's a lot of clues, especially if you've gone back and watched Age of Ultron or if you haven't and you just remember that movie. uh, It makes total sense that Ultron would be the voice of this version of Vision. Uh, Number one being at the end of Age of Ultron, when Vision gets to that last robot that's left, um, he says right to him, you're the last one. And Ultron says back to him you were supposed to be the last. So the plan for Ultron was to be Vision, and it seems like Hayward has now accomplished that. So that's my first thing is this is what I think we're getting in the last episode is Vision is going to be voiced by James Spader. It's going to be Ultron, which Harrison, you mentioned it, I think think i know one of you did but that's probably going to be devastating to wanda to hear that voice again so uh harrison i'll let you go first on that point and then rob you can uh you know take us home on this uh this topic
2: uh yeah i i was just freaking out because i my favorite part of age of Ultron, which i'm a fan of that movie by the way rob um
0: but uh, <laughs> I. Boy, there's my favorite there's part, some shade being thrown. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, anyway, I, I really I, like Ultron. <laughs> my favorite part was James Spader. He he just I thought as a villain as a voice was menacing. Um, seriously, the best part of that that movie for me. So I, I I'm I was just thrilled for a chance for him to be back because that's all I've ever wanted. Uh, but then, listening to you guys and uh having some <laughs> wisdom thrust upon me, I realized wow that the emotional impact that that has beyond just my wish fulfillment is huge uh because of what you're saying for Wanda to been a part of his uh force and then to go against him and kind of be the one that uh starts off this huge event against him yeah that's 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 a lot for she as if she hasn't gone through enough already. Uh, we're gonna bring back Ultron's voice, so uh, yeah. I holy smokes, there's a, there's a lot coming with that.
1: Yeah, Rob, where do you where do you see yourself on this? So I thought I was pretty slick because I had this thought that um, we we'd heard the rumors that James Spader is credited um, with appearing in this show, and we all assumed it was somehow as Ultron's voice. Um, seeing you know the white vision at the end of it. Um, You know, on my second watch through, I just went, oh, my God, when he wakes up and starts to speak, I bet you it's going to be Ultron's voice coming out of there. Um, and I thought I was pretty slick for coming up with that only to realize that both of you had also come up with that exact same theory independently. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm no longer feeling quite as, as slick as I once did. Um, I am actually going to try to see if I can get both of you guys signed up for bad movie, Aholics anonymous where you just stand up and say, hi, my name is Harrison and I liked age of Ultron. And I was going to be like, hi Harrison, this is a safe place. You can admit you like bad movies. here." <laughs> um, but yes, the, the fact that she has to see her, her soulmate um, hearing an enemy's voice coming out of his mouth—that um, is really going to send her some dark places that I cannot wait to see. I hope beyond hope that we are all right about that prediction.
0: Yeah, uh, the the one thing that I'll say too with that is the way that he woke up at the end and he kind of like looks at his hand, he doesn't say anything obviously, but to me it was very reminiscent of the way Ultron first wakes up in terms of he's talking about this feels strange. He's very confused when he's first thrust online and Jarvis is there trying to, you know, talk to him Uh, just the way vision looked at his hand it felt very similar to how Ultron woke up and I just, I don't know. Did either of you guys kind of sense that connection or maybe you didn't think about
1: it or do you think I'm just way off? I didn't catch that. And I think it's telling that this version of vision did not speak. There's, there's clearly a reason Um, if they intended it for it to be voiced by Paul Bettany, I think we would have heard it this week. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: Harrison, any uh,
0: just you know, final thought on that. Uh yeah, the way just the,
2: the way he woke up, I was like, Yeah, that's Ultron. It just gave off Ultron vibes and Tron vibes. I do agree with that. Looked very <laughs> Tron-y, which you know, we got my stamp of approval.
0: There all right. There you go. Um so Rob, I'll uh, I'll let you go first. Um what is one of the things that you had written down as one of your questions? Um and you know, this is where we'll plug the, the email address as well for fans to um, send us their own questions or send us what you think about this little portion of the show here on what we think is going to happen or what we want to have happen, and uh, we'll, we'll plug that email here in just a second. But,
1: Rob, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the big questions I have is the kids. Are they real? Are they just a manifestation? Because she went from not – having, you know, not being pregnant to pregnant to babies to their five. Now they're 10 in a very, very quick period of time. Um, are they real objects Were they manifestations only of the hex? If the hex falls, do they get dusted? Um, are they actually somebody else's kids that she's just sort of like cast as her own in her sitcom? Um, You know who are they? What are they? Now, I do believe that based on the fact that they are real characters, um, and they do seem to be uh, embodying the abilities of her real sons um, from the comics, um, I do believe that they stick around, um, and and we'll see them in the future possibly as Speed and Wiccan. Um, But I I kind of I'm hoping that we get an answer to that.
0: Okay, Uh, Harrison, where do you stand on that that thought process of? The kids being real.
2: Uh, you know, I have no idea. Uh, Rob, I think you've brought this up before. Isn't Wiccan or Speed, isn't one of them gay, right? Wiccan is, yes. W- Wiccan is. So with that in mind, and I, I hope this doesn't come out across as like offensive or rude, but with that in mind, that makes me think that they'd want to keep them around, it, trying to have a more inclusive uh, regiment of characters that'd be kind of dumb to like waste that opportunity, which I know they're trying to create. At least it seems to be a lot of buzz around it. Uh, so I think they're, they're gonna, whether they're real or not, I think that they're here to stay, uh, which could happen in a bunch of ways. Um, but who knows? I, I don't know. I, I, I have a question and no answer. So.
0: Yeah, I, I think they will end up being real. Um, Because she, again, Agatha does say that she can, and again, I I forget the exact line, but she says a being capable of, again, uh, Robert Harrison, if you remember it, like a being of creating, like a being possible of creating life, existence. Um, Again, I can't remember the exact line. I don't
2: remember exactly, but she said something like that.
1: Rob, do you remember what her exact line was? Like what the phrase was? But what I'm thinking about is you go back to the very beginning of this episode and she's talking about the different kinds of magic and she, you know, transmutes matter and she turns the fly and controls the fly. And then she turns it into a bird before she feeds it to the bunny, which I wasn't aware that bunnies ate birds. So that was a little bit weird to me. Um, Maybe the bunny's actually her black cat, you know, the stereotypical like black cat that witches have. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, she makes a, she makes a whole, I mean, that's a whole scene. Like that scene, had to have been written for a reason for her to go through all the different types of magic that she's aware of and demonstrates them. And that wanda has got something else altogether. And that's pretty much what she spends this whole episode doing is trying to get to the heart of what are you, how do you do this? I need to understand this better. Um, I, I actually even think that that's what she's doing at the edge of town. When vision finds her in the Halloween episode, I think she's out there trying to figure out like, how deep does this power go? How far out does this power go? And, and is doing research on that sort of thing, trying to figure this out. Um, but I do not remember the exact line.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I think they're real. I think she can at some point just create life. Um, so I think they're real. Um, Harrison, what, because you had some stuff written down too. What's your next one that you have here?
2: Um, what is going to happen with Monica and her interaction in Pietro last episode? At the very end, the end credit scene we had, she just got her powers as Spectrum, which is awesome. I can't wait for more of her as uh, uh, Spectrum. I think that uh, Tiana Paris is just a great actress, and I can't wait for her more of them too. Anyway uh what the heck is gonna happen with her and pietro uh is pietro somebody beyond just a manifestation of agatha is you know is he just somebody who's there you know, what 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 happened with that interaction after he
0: says snooper's gonna snoop yeah like what, what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah um rob what are your what are your thoughts on that? I know we talked a little bit earlier about pietro um where do you stand on how
1: what sort of resolution we get here, if so, any real resolution? So I really do hope that uh, we get more Monica quickly. Um, I've I've really enjoyed that actress throughout this whole show. I thought she's I think she's been a highlight. Um, you know hers in addition to this show, uh, or to the MCU as a whole. Um, I I have as as a question: What exactly is Pietro? Um, I will hate if they just make it nothing. Um, If they they say, oh, that's a weird coincidence. We cast an actor who played this character in an alternate film universe to play that character in this one. That's just a weird coincidence, you guys. It means nothing. (laughs) Like, if that's ultimately what they get, that might be my least favorite decision that they've made in the MCU with anything they've done. Like, I will probably hate that more than probably everything else that they've done. Um, if it's just literally the biggest red herring of of all time, um, I, I will kind of feel a little bit betrayed. You know, they, they introduced this idea that it could be a multiversal crossover of sorts for it to be nothing. Um, you know, betrayal is just really the only word I can think of. It would bother me that much.
0: Yeah. Um, it feels like with everything that they're doing, I mean, unless he just really did not want to come back. Um, If, if casting Evan Peters is just like a fun little, Oh, here you go. Here's a wink, but it's going to turn out to be nothing. I just can't understand why you wouldn't just explain it away for Aaron Taylor Johnson to come back again, unless, like I said, he thinks he's like too good for the MCU and just didn't want to come back to the show. Um, I don't see why you would deliberately cast this character just to kind of have it be like, mm, no, never mind. Um, I, I would be pretty disappointed by that um if this turns out to be absolutely nothing. so I'll be really curious to see what the final explanation is for him. so just gotta wait for the next episode hopefully maybe yeah. hopefully hopefully that explanation doesn't go into doctor strange in the multiverse of madness um because i'm just going to be racking my brain for too long i'm sure there'll be enough things for us to think about i i really kind of would like some closure on that one by the end of this epi- uh by the end of the season finale so th- that's my take on that uh rob what's the next one that you
1: got um who is jimmy's witness uh, we begin with our, when we meet Jimmy Wu. he's, he's involved and, and I've questioned this before. Why is just a random FBI agent involved in something at the caliber that sword is deeply involved in, you know, like it seems like this is a major world changing event. And yet we have this FBI agent giving part of the briefing in, in the fourth or fifth episode of the season. It felt, it felt strange, um, so that suggests to me that this this person that's part of the witness protection program, this missing persons case that, that he was called in for in the first place to, to investigate, um, that person has to be significant. And we've heard there is a Luke Skywalker level cameo or appearance of some kind. Um, we've all kind of hypothesized. Is it actually Dr. Strange? Is it Reed Richards at some point? Um it's hard to think that Reed Richards would be in the witness protection program or Dr. Or Strange for that matter. But um, I, I I, think we will probably find out an answer uh, next week uh, as to who that person is. Um, what is really going on with Pietro? I, I'm with you, Matt. I hope to God it gets resolved and, and we don't have to wait for Dr. Strange to finally release whenever that actually is, because it feels like it feels like movies are being delayed indefinitely at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the witness, uh, you know, is, is a question cause it's never been mentioned again. At least I don't remember it being mentioned from the, f- like that very first reveal. Um, and then Harrison, um, I'll let you talk about it, but you also had the question of, and it ties into who these people are is the engineer going to be revealed because it seemed like that was like a real, you know, we talked about, it, it was kind of a letdown moment of, you mentioned it twice and you had to keep saying, I have an engineer friend only for this somewhat nobody, so to speak from the military. Who's like, she doesn't seem like she's in any like huge position. Did uh, you show up and be like, Oh, let me show you what we brought you. Um, OK, um, so I know you're having that question of are we going to get that? Um, do you still have, you know, has your thought changed on who you think it's going to be or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I
2: I also wonder about this uh, protected witness, the missing person that the agent was uh, addressing. But I, I've been thinking a lot about the engineer because I just well everything about the show. This show would not. I don't think waste would throw away these things uh the the mcu and the future of it um and wandavision has created such detail and such attention to detail that i don't think the mention of a missing person or the mention of an engineer or uh evan peters being cast as a fake pietro is meaningless uh so i've been thinking about what it could possibly mean and i have no idea Uh, So who is this engineer? Was that uh, military lady who showed up, was she the engineer? Or was the engineer someone that uh, Monica just reached out to to get the right uh, specs for, according to Darcy's calculations, and then the military person was just the delivery service? I I don't know. I I still am on the line that I think the engineer is Reed Richards. And you, you can't have S.W.O.R.D. and not the Fantastic Four. That just feels cheap in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that all of us would feel betrayed if that was the case. Uh, so I think that it was just one of those things where they're thinking 20 steps ahead that whenever that Reed Richards shows up, we're going to remember that he was an engineer that Monica had a connection to. Uh, that's my thing, but are we going to get any details of that in the last episode? Uh, I hope so, but I doubt it. I, I Fingers crossed, but I, with so much else that we've already covered and some more questions I have, there's a lot to cover in this last episode, and you know if something like the engineer isn't covered, uh, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, uh, Rob, I know you've watched the show Harrison. I I can't remember if you have, but from a total what would be a fanboy moment for me is the engineer. If it wasn't Reed Richards, and we didn't get a name, <laughs> Rob, maybe I'm just being a total goof right now what if for some reason the phone rang for the engineer and it was the 90s x-men animated cartoon ringtone and it was like (laughs) like (laughs) hank mccoy like it was because it was like hank mccoy who was the engineer that'd be awesome um i I, maybe that's just it would be like so ridiculous but i oh my god i would probably cartwheel or something like i just for some reason was thinking that like wouldn't that be just ridiculous in such a fan
1: moment? Look, they're crossing over multiverses and, and maybe even going a little meta on us at some point. So if, uh, if the person's phone rings and it's da-da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like, I'm in. Y- you got me. You, you know, I, I, will, I will probably join you doing cartwheels. <laughs> hey, just send
2: it to me on video.
1: You get, you got it. (laughs)
0: Um, all right. So, uh, Rob, did you have anything else, uh, written down for what, uh, what you still need answered in episode nine or, you know, something that you maybe need answered. Like we said, you know, some things I think we're still going to have to wait, but is there anything else that you, you really kind of feel like you need a definitive answer on at the end of this season?
1: You know, I think, um. We we kind of talked about the witness, and it was it seemed almost like a throwaway because it was it was mentioned once and then never again. Um, so if they don't go into depth on what that actually is, I'll be okay. If they don't go into who the engineer is, I'll be disappointed because I want to see the Fantastic Four. But if you think about the end credit scene of pretty much every Marvel film, what it's intended for is to set the bait for us as fans for what's coming next. It's to, it's to just bait that hook and say, okay, guys come back in three months. Cause the next film's coming into theaters, you know, come back in six months. Cause the next film is coming back into theaters and it's going to be this, you know, like, yeah. and we're all going, ah, oh my God. Oh my God. You guys, oh my God. And, and we lose our minds. Um, And it feels like these kinds of little breadcrumbs could eventually lead to some of those things. To me, I really need to know about the kids. And I really, really need to know that Pietro is not just a a red herring, throwaway, nothing. Like, those are the things I need um, answered by the end of next week. Uh,
0: Harrison, same question to you. What do you need you know, what do you feel you need answered by the end of next week? And what are you willing to to play the long game on, so to speak? Uh, I'm definitely willing to play the long game on the missing person
2: and um, uh, the engineer. Uh, what I need to see is more of Monica and Pietro. What happened with that interaction? And I want to see more of Monica as Spectrum. The other thing that I really want to see is, of course, the kids. And also, where is Vision? and Darcy and what the heck are they going to do when they show up? And what is this white vision going to do? And is agent Jimmy Woo coming back? Does he make it into the hex in any way? Uh, I I'd love for a final moment of all of these characters you know, even if it's just, you know, 10 seconds of uh, Jimmy Woo on screen as Randall, Randall Park on screen. I, I would love that just because I love that character. Uh, So I guess that's a small one. So so let me answer this question, honestly. I want to see something about the kids. I want to see something about Pietro and a lasting meaning of him in the MCU, specifically as Evan Evan Peters. What is he? Who is he? Whatever. Monica is Spectrum, and then Vision and Darcy, and what are they going to do at the end? As far as the long games goes, I'm okay with the engineer and the missing person. The other one that I have a big question on is what – is are, are they going to mention a Nexus-type thing? I know that it was mentioned in a really small way in the commercial, I think it was the last episode, um, and what that means for Wanda as a Nexus being and the multiverse, and we've talked about how this leads into the Multiverse of Madness, but this was a thought that I was going to bring up earlier that I forgot. This whole time we've been doing Matt Goes to the Movies, I've been talking about this show is going to lead into the multiverse because Wanda creates the multiverse, and I think that that isn't the case. I think that this show is going to tie into the Multiverse of Madness because of the level of magic involved in this uh, show, specifically with Agatha. Uh, so, yeah, th- the main things is just I just want the this, this show to be wrapped up uh, nicely. It's okay if some loose strings continue on to the rest. But to have, like, major things that that go off would feel, like, a little bit cheap, uh, like, like a cheap that the MCU has never done before. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like for example, you watch Age of Ultron, and they didn't leave Ultron alive until the next Avengers movie. You know, like, there's things that you, you have to resolve as part of your story, um, and those are the things that we've been mentioning. And uh, those smaller things, yeah, I'm, I'm totally biting that hook. You know, spoon-feed me. Jack-Jack's over here. Do what you want. I'm, I'm ready to go on the long haul. So, uh, yeah, just those big major things.
0: Awesome. Um, So I totally agree with everything that you said. Um, Crazy thing is our live session. Actually um, I'm going to have to start recapping this episode because our live session is going to end here, folks. Uh, This has been a really fun episode and it's run a little bit longer than we usually do, but it's just because there's been so much to talk about. So uh, I do want to say again, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, get your show notes. We wanted to plug the email, but get your show notes uh, with this episode. Thank you to Rob. Thank you to Harrison.